Well, good evening. Good evening. Um, I need Casey. Casey, could you come up here? Could I get two other hosses to come with Casey and someone help? Can you be like Simon of Cyrene and get this cross for me? Um, I need two other hosses with Casey. All right, Daniel, thank you. One more. Just if you pull your back, don't call Franklin Diazar, please. <laughs> thank you, Alan. I'm, I'm not sure how we do this. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, okay? Here, let me hold this while you get the bass. Brett, yeah, I think it's a, it's a two or three man job. Studs. World's strongest man, Magnus for Magnuson. Anyone else remember Magnus? Watch your fingers, there you go, boom. Very good, thank you guys. Thank you. Give it up for these men of God. Great is your reward in heaven. I ain't got any cash for you, but thank you. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter six. We are in our ninth week of this series, going through the book of Galatians. And tonight we're gonna close the series. And so what I'll do is I'll read Galatians six, one through 10 and then we'll pray and jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul out of Galatians chapter six. It says this. The Von Trapp family singers. (laughs) Here we go. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit or you who are spiritual should restore that person what? Gently. But watch out yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Essentially what he's saying is take your spiritual life seriously. Like look God in the face and lay your head on the pillow at night knowing you're doing your best. Take it seriously. For each one should carry their own load. He goes on to say in verse six, nevertheless the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what he or she sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, you see this juxtaposition here, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He goes on in verses 9 and 10, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, please, please, please speak. May I decrease and may Jesus increase. Jesus, have your way here tonight. I have plans, but Proverbs 16 says, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. 
Lord, would you direct our steps tonight? Would you get us into the right spots tonight? Would you say the things to to our souls that you wanna say tonight? Would you call us and challenge us and equip us and transform us and make us new tonight, Jesus Christ? So we say, come Holy Spirit and have your way. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. I would like to be very simple tonight. I would like to ask permission to be your pastor tonight. Uh, There are scholars who study these texts and they go line by line and they are deep in the minutia and they mine out the gold and they're paying attention and they're parsing words and they're doing the heavy lifting. And and then tonight I just want to say three simple things. They cost everything. But there are three simple things, and I want to say it tonight as a pastor, hopefully with a tender heart. So three things that I want to say as we close our Galatians series. Here's the first thing that I want to say. Let's be a community of gentle confrontation and long-term commitment. Gentle confrontation. We live in a world tearing itself apart. We are cannibalizing each other. We are... We are divided, we are fighting, we're looking for fights, our blood is racing, our faces are flushed red, we are, we, we are yelling at each other, we're not listening, right? And, and, and I'm not talking about that. that. That is what the world calls confrontation. Someone tell the truth and stand up and you know, fight. And, and actually, you're not changing anyone's heart under those circumstances. You're just causing people to dig their heels in. But tonight, Paul says the people of God can be different than that. The people of God can open their hearts to one another with generosity of spirit. The people of God can believe the best in each other. The people of God can take chances with one another. Why? Because we have one father and we have one big brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made us sons and daughters in God's house. And if we are brothers and sisters, this is what he says, brothers and sisters, The word there in Greek is Adelphoi, which is where the city Philadelphia gets its name from, the city of brotherly love, from Adelphoi, Philadelphia. So he says, you are not uh, competing interests, you are not two sides of the aisle. He doesn't address them as that. He says, brothers and sisters, Adelphoi, the last thing I want to say to you, I want it to be rooted, he says, in your familial relational lines. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. Like, don't think you're better than someone else. Don't think that you're above that. All of us can get tripped up by the devil. So treat each other as brothers and sisters and confront each other gently. And I say, let's be a community of of gentle confrontation and long-term commitment because when families are working rightly, they don't leave each other. They stay. You show up at those Thanksgiving meals and you know uncle, crazy uncle, whoever, insert name here. I don't want to say a name and one of you go, what? That's my name. (laughs) But you know they're going to be there and everyone just signs up for it. Why? Because you don't get to pick your blood. We, we just come from where we come from and we are related to who we are related to. And Paul says, don't think just because you have different last names that you're not family. <laughs> yeah. 
Adelphoi, brothers and sisters, you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and taken up into the family of the one true Father who is everlasting. Don't leave each other. So confront each other gently. Do talk. Be honest. The family, converse, family meals that are weird are the ones where there's just like 17 elephants in the room and everyone's going, la, 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 waiting for the Dallas Cowboys to play on Thanksgiving, you know? <laughs> like, so he, he, he's saying, say the thing, but say it gently and say it knowing that you're not going to leave each other because you're Adelphoi, your brothers and sisters. We're all implicated in this. Nobody's impervious to attack. We all are frail and full of our faults and we're all humans and we're all porous and the righteousness of God that is inside of us, it leaks from time to time and we need to be refilled by the power of the Spirit. So Paul says, watch yourself or you too may be tempted. The verb translated restore, you know, restore one another gently. The verb translated restore comes from the Greek word katartizo. Everyone say katartizo. Yeah, that's fun, right? Which means to mend, to mend. And Jesus used this word, katartizo, in Mark. I want you to see it here. When Jesus had gone a little farther, he's just beginning his ministry. He's just getting ready to call his disciples to come and follow me and deny yourself and leave your family businesses. And, and I'll trust me along the way, I'll show you where we're going. Jesus had gone a little farther when he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, and what were they doing? They were mending. Katartizo, this is where it's coming from. Katartizantas, they're, they're mending their nets, and without delay, Jesus sees James and John mending their nets, and he goes, oh, yep, drop everything, come and follow me, why? Because if you know how to mend nets, you know how to mend relationships. It's the same word. Like, restore, mend each other gently, Galatians 6. And Jesus saw James and John mending their nets, and he goes, if you've acquired the skills to do that, Jesus saw that James and John knew how to mend nets, ensuring that they would catch fish. So Jesus chose them and called them to start catching people. Lead the church in such a way that, that if a net's got a hole in it, you lose everything. Everything washes out. You've got nothing to show for it at the end of the day. And he says, if you're not gentle with each other, you'll lose everything. You'll drive each other away. But if you'll mend your relationships and mend your lives and help mutually strengthen one another, you'll look up and you'll have caught something beautiful, which is called life in the body of Christ. Mending lives and preserving a community of faith is delicate and meticulous work. So let's do it with gentle confrontation and let's do it with long-term commitment. Can you say amen? It's the first thing I wanna say to you tonight. Here's the second thing that I wanna say. If your life in the community of faith isn't inconveniencing you, you're doing it wrong. Wow, what a great marketing pitch, Grothy. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Daniel Grothy. How to Build a Church, you know, a mega church by Daniel Grothy. If, if your life in the community of faith isn't inconveniencing you, I'm here to tell you tonight that you're doing it wrong. Galatians 6 2, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law 
of Christ, carry each other's burdens. That, that, what these four guys did at the start of the sermon, I didn't plan on that, but it's sort of a metaphor. <laughs> We're all, we help each other, and this is what I can do, and this is what I can bring to the table, and I couldn't do it because I threw my back out this week. I needed four other guys to do that. And it's kind of a picture of life in the body of Christ. It, it, like we're taking care of one another but it's really easy to go with these sort of spiritual isolationism approach today that maintains my comfort, that maintains my happiness. We've got our YouTube channels and our podcasts and our iTunes and we've got all this and we figured out that we can get our songs and our, and our you know, spiritual content without ever having to trifle with the saints. I'll just stay home, I'm good, got my bathrobe, got my coffee, I've got my Bible and my journal, and I'll just watch really good content, and I really love this worship channel over there, and I've got my playlist on Spotify that I can just really just get swept up in the life of the Spirit of God. I've got everything I need without having to mess with any people. That's happening today, massive, like big time. That's, that's, a, that's a new approach, <laughs> that is running rampant in our age of individualism, but there are two problems with the comfort of spiritual isolationism approach. Two problems at least. I'll just put two in front of you tonight. First, it's almost only wealthy people who have that option. People who can afford to live by themselves. And the new sign of success in America is when you have deep enough pockets where you think you actually don't need anybody else. I'm good, I'm good. I'm good, I've got the nest egg, I've got my retirement sorted out, I'm in relatively good health, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty airtight, I'm not taking on water right now, I'm good. There's only a small sliver of the world that can even say or think something like that, and we happen to be among them. You go to the Church of the Global South, which is why I am for people, everyone in the body of Christ ought to go on one global ministries trip at some point in your life, just to see what the world is like. Just to see someone who's living on 20 cents a day, slugging it out and praying, give us this day our daily bread, and they're praying it literally. But when they go to church, they've got family. They've got Adelphoi everywhere. And they're hugging and kissing one another and blessing each other and helping each other raise children and feeding each other good food. And they may not have much, but they have everything. And we come to church and we, you know, we can do, we've got options, but many of us are lonely. And so the, the global south and the third world church has so much to teach us about what true riches look like. So the spiritual isolationism approach is a problem for me, first, because mostly only wealthy people can even think that. Second reason is because it means you'll never actually be able to become a Christian. How, do, how does the fruit of the Spirit grow in us? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'll just say, I'm a great Christian by myself. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like a great Christian by myself. It's people that are the problem. Interacting with people who, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of the nine fruits of the Spirit require you learning how to do that in the presence of other very difficult people. And by the way, you're a difficult person, Daniel Grothy. <laughs> and other people learn to become Christians by having to deal with your sorry booty every once in a while. And this is what happens. We actually bless you. I forgive you. It's okay. We're good. We're good. I repent. Please forgive me. And when you live like this with one another, you become a Christian, <laughs> K 
carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is so clever here. Because throughout Galatians, if you've been tracking with us, the law, the law, the law, all these people who are coming along saying, look, if you just get circumcised, you'll be saved. And if you just, you know, Sabbath uh, restrictions, you'll be saved. And if you follow all the dietary restrictions, you'll be saved. And if you just do all of these things to meet the requirements of the law, then you'll be saved. And Paul comes and he knocks out the table from underneath their argument and he says, no one will be justified by the works of the law. So Paul is attacking the works of the law. But right here he says, carry one another's burdens and in so doing you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul's saying like there, there, there are rules here, there's, a, there's something going on here, but it's not the works of the law that will save you, but it's actually being grafted into the law of Christ. Paul is building an argument here and I want you to think about the Christian symbols. What's a symbol? Let's talk about symbols just real quickly. A symbol is a mark, it's a sign, or a word that indicates, signifies, or is understood as representing an idea, an object, or a relationship. Now, next slide. Symbols allow people to go beyond what is known or seen by creating imaginative linkages that determines one's lifestyle. So when I do this, what am I saying to you? I love you, right? What? When I do that, that doesn't mean I hate you, right? That's a symbol, that's a sign, that's a, that you made a gesture and all of us know what that means. I love you too, bro. We wink at each other when we're smiling, right? It's a symbol. You, you, you see a big cow running around a restaurant with eat more chicken on his chest, where are you? Okay, we know about symbols, right? Hoo-ah! What's going on there? Not hoorah, hoo-ah, right? I Googled this today. <laughs> Heard, understood, acknowledged. Hoo-ah, H-U-A. Heard, understood, acknowledged. Got it, bro. Yes, sir. It's also a way of showing camaraderie. Hoo-ah! And everyone's, what, chest bumping? Like we, we accomplished something meaningful. It's a symbol. It's a sign. It's a gesture. And all of us know that it doesn't mean the chess club is meeting, It means that military personnel are ready for anything. They're ready to go. They're, they're signed up for service. Symbols, signs. I want you to think about what are the Christian symbols that we have? What do we put on top of our buildings? It's a symbol. What's the other symbol that Jesus gave us when he was really launching his ministry and getting ready to head toward Golgotha to stretch out his arms on the cross? Jesus in John 13, he gets up from the table, from the seat of honor, he takes off his robe, he gets a bowl of water and a towel and he washes their feet. A bowl and a towel, these are Christian symbols. A cross, these are Christian symbols. And what these symbols are saying to us is this is what it looks like to follow the man, Jesus Christ. To stretch out your arms for the life of the world. To even if you're speared in the side, something's gonna come out of you for everyone else's benefit. And you turn the other cheek and you bless those that curse you. And when they whip you 39 times on your back, you say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And even though I'm going to my death, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is the Christian 
symbol of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And he says, carry one another's burdens and in so doing, you will fulfill. This is the law of Christ right here. This is the law of Christ. When you wanna strike out, you get down and you take off your robe of royalty and you, you, you take those nasty feet of the people who are cursing you and you wash them. <laughs> I hate this stuff. And Paul says, this is what salvation looks like. This is how you become a Christian. This is how the world is redeemed. This is how salvation breaks out. This is how the cycle of madness and violence and murder and war is stopped by someone who is courageous enough not to fight back, but to go, go ahead, give me your best shot and to go into the grave and to trust the Father to raise you up. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Can you say amen tonight? And so this is why I can say, if your life in the community of faith isn't inconveniencing you, you're doing it wrong. Because crosses are very inconvenient. Crosses are very painful, they're very costly, and the easiest thing to do is to run as far away from a cross as you can get. The easiest thing to do is to go on YouTube and, and try to receive your spiritual content and listen to your favorite playlists and call that good, but what I'm saying to you is you are not yet a part of the church if you're doing that. Because the church is the place where you enter into the self-sacrificial love of Jesus, you carry one another's burdens, and in so doing, you're beginning to follow Jesus. The second thing is, if it doesn't feel slightly inconveniencing at times, you're doing it wrong. Third thing I wanna say tonight is, you will have stretches of deep weariness and you'll be tempted to quit a day too soon Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Man, life is hard. It's really hard. Has following Jesus ever been painful for you? Has just being a human on planet Earth made in his image ever been painful for you? Paul understands. Paul is not wagging the finger at them. He's saying, yeah, I get it too. He's writing from a prison, <laughs> I get it too. Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It was early 1945 and the world was on fire. 56-year-old Adolf Hitler and his Nazi regime had turned Europe upside down and really, frankly, the known world upside down. At this point, we have six million Jews that have been incinerated and murdered and God have mercy on that moment in time. God, come and restore and make all things new. That's all you can say when you think about 1939 to 1945 is God have mercy. So here we were and Concentration camps all around Germany were overflowing with people. And the flames of hell were burning hot. And these people were heartbroken and emaciated and exhausted. And, but the screws were being tightened on Hitler's Nazi regime in the early 1945. 
they were pressing in. The Allied forces were coming and, and, and Hitler could hear footsteps and he's getting his bunker ready and he's, he's losing his mind. And, but the world is on fire. The flames of hell are burning hot and people are screaming out. Prisoners who had filled these concentration camps all over Germany, they were gaunt and they were emaciated in their months and years of affliction. They were demoralized and many of them were ready to die and they were circling up in these camps over in the corners of the camps and they were stopped, they, they were just, they couldn't go any longer. Watched their family hauled away and split up and just the devastation. Here they were, January, February, it was really bad, the winter. March, it started to shift a little bit and by March 20, the American soldiers, all the allied forces were kind of on the outskirts of Berlin pressing in. My grandpa Grothy, I'm proud to say, was there that day. He was there the day that Germany was liberated. He was feeding the troops as, as a cook and, and, and he was in that moment where the flames of hell were burning hot but it seemed like something was beginning to shift and word got out. The, 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 the prisoners in the concentration camps started to hear someone would slip them a little piece of paper out of the, you know, a cut out of the newspaper. The allied forces are coming. The allied forces are coming. And they're close and they started to hear the tanks roll in and they started to hear the, the military sound, just the, the noise, the music coming from the periphery of Berlin and, and, and from the outer edges of the, of the community there and, and something shifted in the concentration camps. And finally one day someone came in and said, they're, they're almost here. And these prisoners who had been over in the corners ready to die, these prisoners who were gaunt and hadn't eaten meaningful calories in months or if not years, and they'd watched their families die, something shifted in those concentration camps and the prisoners rose up and they beat the soldiers' butts. They beat them to a pulp. They had no strength. It's not because they were, they were in the weight room. It's not because they were ready to go. It's not because they had the proper weaponry. They had nothing but hope. Yeah. <laughs> they're coming. What do you mean they're coming? After six years of hell on earth, they're coming. And, and, and just the thought that they're coming, these people get up off the ground and they run the Nazi soldiers out of the concentration camps and they beat down the doors and they start singing songs of freedom as the allied forces are coming into Berlin to liberate these people after hell on earth for six years. And I just want you to understand that when hope rises in your soul, you may be weak, <laughs> You may have not eaten a proper meal. You may have had a long stretch. But when hope switches in your soul, you can stand up and do things you never thought possible. Because of the Holy Spirit that lives within you, you are stronger than what you think. You are, I'm just here to tell you, you are stronger than what you think. And some of you are ready to give up. And some of you are exhausted. And some of you are spiritually emaciated. Your face that used to be flushed with hope is now gaunt with despair. And some of you have been betrayed. And you've been emotionally locked up. And you've been abandoned. And some of you don't think you can make it another week. And I'm here to say to you, don't quit. thinking about doing crazy stuff. Don't you do it. Don't quit. I'm not saying. I'm not saying this because it's easy. I'm not going, oh, just come on. I'm not doing that. But I am saying, 
don't give up a day too soon because the forces are coming. Jesus is on his way. The spirit is in you. You can make it. Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will We will reap harvest if we don't quit. You're going to make it. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're made of the stuff of heaven. You're filled with resurrection. God's, you may be hanging in Good Friday. You may be living in the grief of Holy Saturday. I promise you the morning is coming. Easter is coming. This is not the final word. Yes, this is our symbol, but it's not the final word. Resurrection Sunday morning. Easter is coming, friends. If you will not give up, I promise, if you won't faint, there will be a day when it shifts in the spirit and it will not always be this way. So please stand and let us stand with you. And if you need help, come down for prayer afterwards. And if you need a community of people to walk around you, this is what the church does. Carry one another's burdens. So please, if that's you on the brink, hear from the Spirit and know that the preacher this week, the Lord has been drawing this out of me to say to you, do not quit one day too soon. In the end, you will reap a harvest if you do not faint. Can you say amen today? Stand with me, church. You know what I love about this moment? If you'd get your communion elements ready. If you don't have communion, would you raise your hand? Our team will bring it to you. The team is coming quickly. I'm just gonna wait one minute here while everyone gets it because I want us all to hear this together. Thank you, everyone. Everyone have it? Okay, so let's use this image here of the people wasting away in the concentration camps, no food, no help, no strength. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, what does he do? He feeds us. He gives us drink. He nourishes us. What does Jesus do? He stays with us, his presence. And on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he knew that every single time we would come to this table, there would be a measure of hunger. There would be soul emaciation. There would be heaviness and weariness. There would be people. Jesus knew that the people sitting at the table with him would be ready to quit. And so many times I come to this table and I just think, if, I don't know if I could go another day without being fed by Jesus. I, I don't know how I would make it. Paul says, do not grow weary. And Jesus says, here you go. <laughs> this is my body, which is broken for you. Let me feed your hunger. Let me satisfy your thirst. And so Jesus, we give you thanks.
Can you thank him for being the God that feeds? The God that gives nourishment. The God that walks into the concentration camps and throws the doors open. This is my body which is broken for you and as often as you do this, says Jesus, remember me, friends, you may receive the bread tonight. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood, given for you and for many for the remission of your sins. The things that we have done to blow the story up, the things that we have done to walk away, Jesus says, I have that covered too. I'm washing it away. I'm renewing you. I'm giving you joy. What happens when you have the cup? You go, yes. Your soul relaxes just a little bit. You ease into the gift that's in front of you. Drink up, friends, tonight. Jesus is for you. Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus is here to satisfy you and to bring you back into joy. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. You may drink the cup. And now let's worship the Lord Jesus with all of our hearts. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of
shout your Come on, church. Get your song back tonight. Get your soul back tonight. Come on, get your breath back. Get your strength back. Come on. All the earth, all the earth, all the earth. Come on, let's do it right now tonight. Okay, one more thing here. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Good Friday does not last forever. Holy Saturday does not last forever. We will be entering into a cosmic Easter soon enough. And so I want you right now to take all of those things that represent death to you, all of those things that represent the grave to you, all of those things that are burdens that make you weary and that have crushed you. And let's sing hallelujah, Christ is risen as a statement of faith in the face of the death. Can you say amen tonight? So take those areas. It's a prodigal child. It's a sickness. Let's sing. Come on, church, sing by faith. Sing before you see it. Sing before the resurrection. Yeah. Christ is risen. Yeah.
sing it again. Spirit saying some of you are going to sleep better than you've slept in years. Some of you are going to get the bounce back in your step that you always had. Some of you anxiety is just being broken off tonight. Yes. Yep. I know that story. Yes, ma'am. I know that story. Yep, she's getting free tonight. (laughs) She's getting free tonight. Can Can I take another second here and call one more audible? This year, you know, we have budgets and the church has a budget, you know, and we actually abide by the budget. Praise the Lord. You business people are like, good. You too? Yes, us too. We have a budget line item for benevolence and for love gifts and for helping people who are in incredible need. And we have blown way over that budget this year. We've cut back in other areas on the Friday night community because we're going to shift that money. We're not going to not give, right? So what I'm, the audible I'm calling is some of you want to be able to help because there are a lot of people who are in deep, deep need right now. Like I could tell you story after story. I would never manipulate you over money. In the presence of God, I promise you. But there are some stories that we need to help. So we give tithes and we give tithes, right? We're, we're chipping and we're a part of the family where our, our strength is in. But there's sometimes where you give offerings over and above, like, yeah, there's a need, boom. And I'm telling you as the pastor here that there are needs, that if some of you are able to help with that, we will direct those funds and it will be meaningful work in the kingdom of God, I promise you. So if that's you, we can, you can come down here. I don't have any buckets. We, we threw away the buckets 20 months ago. But we'll, we'll get our life safety team up here. We'll take it up to accounting afterwards. But if you've got some extra strength that you feel led to lend, we will put it to really good use. And so would you open your hands tonight? We can do that after the service. I want to pray blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, help your people. Rescue the weary. Lift the hanging head. Heal the sick and raise the dead. Lord, You know the stories. You know them way better than we do. I'm asking you to be the provider. Provide.
see your people through. I say with the psalmist, for those of you who are in deep poverty, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children out begging for bread. Somehow, someway, God, do it for your people. I pray tonight, bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, lift your countenance upon my friends. Grant them peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. One more time, let's praise the Lord for what he's done here tonight. There you go. Hey. I'm a drummer. This is a snare drum case, which is our offering bucket tonight. So I'm going to put that right there. Amir will take 10%, he said. I love you, bro. A tithe off of the tithe for the drummer. No, I'm just kidding. It'll all go to these needs that I've spoken of, and I promise you, if that's you and you want to help, here it is. God bless you. Go from here in the peace of God. Our prayer team will be down here. Go in God's grace and peace. Much love.